Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Podcast and powered by 91N. You're listening to Season 4, Episode 3 of Full Time. I'm your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, we are beyond excited to bring you this week's episode of Full Time. Talking about the beautiful game is the thing that truly connects us all. G, my brother, how are you? I'm doing great. The Premier League's back after international break of the Champions League coming up. I'm doing phenomenal. How are you, Scarps? I, uh, I'm doing very well, sir, and uh, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. In today's show, we will look at how the summer transfer market finished up. We will analyze Europe's big five. We'll have a look at the MLS, and we'll give you all a local soccer update. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who is taking the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by looking at how the summer transfer market concluded. A reminder that the window officially closed on Friday, September 1st. G, your thoughts overall on how this summer transfer window went? Um... I mean, like every summer, it just gets more and more insane. Uh, this summer did not disappoint at all. Some absolutely huge transfers did happen. Some absolutely huge ones didn't happen. I thought it was uh, exactly what you expect from a transfer window. It was perfect. Yes, and it's exactly what we needed and wanted too. So that was just absolutely solid. And for the final time, this transfer window, we will give you all, our listeners, the final major dealings that happened in the world of football. All the information attained here is from The Guardian. First, it's Randall Kolomoani, who goes from Frankfurt to Paris Saint-Germain for $64.3 million. It's great to be back where it all began, says the 24-year-old. Gee, PSG not messing about to get this deal done. Your thoughts? Uh, this is like a surprisingly really good piece of business from PSG. Uh, not just going out signing like the biggest name possible, but actually getting someone who uh, fits kind of what they want, is young enough uh, for their age profile, that squad. And at a like, pretty decent price. So uh, I thought this was a really, really good transfer for them. I thought so too. Definitely a good piece of business for what that squad needed at this moment in time. Matthias Nunez goes from Wolverhampton to Manchester City for $53 million. The smile says it all, G. Builder, <laughs> who effectively went on strike to force through the move, signs a five-year deal with the European champions. Gaetano Pep Guardiola is excited about his newest signing, as are all Manchester City fans, as you can attest to. What can you tell us about this player and what it means for your Manchester City? Yeah, I think this is a really great signing. It maybe not isn't like the flashiest uh, of names, but uh, two seasons ago when we played Sporting in the Champions League, Pep after the game had said, after the tie, had said that Mateus Nunez was the best player on the field, one of, has the potential to be one of the best in the world, had a good season at Wolves last year. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not surprised that Pep, uh, you know, sanctioned the move for him. I think 53 million pounds is a pretty decent price, uh, you know, especially considering it's the Premier League and he came from a Premier League club. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He made his debut over the weekend. Uh, I think this is a really, really good piece of business. 
I think so too, especially for the price that you alluded to. And uh, at the start, when I was seeing the quotes from Pep Guardiola coming out with such high praise, I knew about the player because obviously uh, the Premier League watching Wolves and these sorts of things, but I didn't realize necessarily how good or how, how highly sought after he was. And uh, yeah, I think uh, your Manchester City got an absolute gem and sort of a, a puzzle piece that would fit really well with uh, the way that City liked to play. Musa Diaby goes from Bayer Leverkusen to Aston Villa for $51.9 million. The former PSG youth player under Unai Emery is ready for the next chapter in the Premier League as Villa smash the record club fee uh, for a player. Gatano, some big money splash here for Diaby. What can be said about this one? Uh, this might be one of my favorite transfers of the summer. He's, su- he's just electric on that uh, right wing. Uh, and something Villa really needed was another uh, direct attacker. And I think the Premier League is going to uh, enjoy having him if you're not playing against him. If you're playing against him, he is going to make your life miserable. Uh, I think this is just a super, super fun si- uh, signing for Villa and for the league. Yeah, and uh, as an Arsenal fan, a lot of people call it the Bukayo Saka treatment. I think down the right-hand side that this lad's also going to get it. Because- yep causing left backs and wingers, all sorts of problems. So definitely a good bit of business for Villa. Alexander Mitrovic goes from Fulham to Al-Hilal for $50 million. Fulham reluctantly accepted the reported $50 million fee for the striker, consistently uh, made his desire uh, to leave very well known, by the way. Gatano Mitrovic wanted out, and he got out along with a hefty chunk of cash in his pocket. What do you make of this one? I mean... Obviously, I know Fulham fans are maybe not uh, happy about losing him. He was a pretty consistent Premier League goal scorer. Uh, he's the record uh, goal scorer in the championship. Um, and, like He was just like a really good Premier League level player. Uh, but getting £50 million pounds for, uh, I think he's 31 or 32, uh, you know, being able to invest that back into the squad, he gets his final big payday. Like I think it's kind of win-win for everyone. And I think, uh, yeah, pretty decent piece of business. I think so too. And as good of a player as he is and as well known as he is, as he said, in the championship when Fulham had went down and even in the Premier League, he's always been known to score some goals here and there for sure. Uh, there was a couple of rifts that he had with the manager a couple of times. He had been subbed off a few red cards as well in there. So I think uh, might be actually a blessing in disguise for Fulham could reinvest the money and get what they need to continue trying to move their way up the table. Brennan Johnson goes from Nottingham Forest to Tottenham for $47 million. Spurs get their main target this window. Johnson was ever-present for Forrest in the last league season. It's been an unusual window, admits Poste Coglu, the Tottenham manager. Gee, is this a good bit of business for Tottenham? Um, I think it's an okay piece. Uh, they're very clearly rebuilding with the departure of Harry Kane and a really older squad, a new manager coming in. So, like, I think he maybe isn't going to be a piece that's going to be huge for them, like, in a few years. But I think he's a perfect piece to kind of get them through this transition. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, I was listening to an Arsenal podcast earlier today, actually. And uh, even though Kane has departed from Spurs, Spurs have had a really good start to the season. And one of the things that they spoke about in that podcast was that Spurs now have a variety to which they play. Kind of when you play, and there's the North London Derby coming up, uh, this up, you know, in about a week's time. So the way in which Spurs used to play is you knew everything was going through Harry Kane and then maybe Son or somebody else on the wings that they would get the ball to. Now Spurs have a little bit of a different way in which they play, and maybe Brennan Johnson will, uh, will just add to that. Mateus Kuna goes from Atletico Madrid to Wolverhampton for $44 million. The attacker completes his move on a four-year deal after his initial loan spell, where he scored twice in 20 games. Catano, did Wolves get a good one? 
Uh, I don't think so. This is, uh, it was an option or it was an obligation in the loan uh, to buy him. And yeah, I think they, uh, they got scammed a little bit. He did not produce at all uh, in the 20 games he played for them earlier. And I guess I, I haven't seen anything from him that uh, suggests that he'll be anything uh, like worth that value at all. Yeah, and you want to talk about trying to get games over the line. Wolves are having a really difficult time doing that, losing a lot of games late and dropping points in easy fashion. And I believe in our uh, our preseason predictions, you may have even said that they might be going down this season. So if this person's going to come into the squad, Kuna, uh, he's going to have to hit the ground running. Paul Palmer goes from Manchester City to Chelsea for $40 million. Pochettino will be delighted to have signed the young English forward, as the Chelsea boss says. Palmer can play in a variety of positions. Gatano, I thought that this was going to be one of uh, Pep's future players at City, almost like uh, how, how he did with Foden, obviously not to the same extent, but he said that Foden was never going to be for sale. But uh, Cole Palmer, he makes his way to Chelsea. What is your analysis of this move? Uh, it's a little bit of a weird one. Um, so when there are kind of first rumblings that he wanted to leave City for more game time, I, I understand it. You know, you're a young player, you're kind of behind Bernardo Silva's and the in the preseason before, like Raheem Sterling and Riyad Mahrez. You know, you, you want to get that uh, progression. You want to grow your game and become one of the best in the world. Like, I, I understand wanting to leave. Uh, I don't understand going to Chelsea, though. Uh, you know, if he it went to, like, a Brighton, a West Ham, uh, a Newcastle, where there were minutes available at that in that right-wing spot, like, I would understand that. We'd have no issue, but... You know, he's going to Chelsea now to be behind Raheem Sterling and Mudrik and, uh, you know, Nkunku and all of those players. So, like, I just, you're swapping one bench for another. And at least on, like, the city bench, you're winning trebles. Like, in Chelsea, you're just going to be sitting mid-table, uh, you know, during this rebuild. So, I, I don't really see it. Um, but I think $40 is a phenomenal price for an academy player. City's academy is finally kind of, uh, you know, becoming what it was meant to be in the beginning, which was not just producing talent for the first team, but being able to sell talent around Europe. I mean, I wish him all the best. Uh, he was a pretty key part of what we did uh, last season. So, yeah, I think he might end up regret going to Chelsea, but uh, it could also turn out really well for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm more with you than anything in the sense that I get the move because you want time and it's difficult to be behind those types of players. But a move to Newcastle or West Ham or Brighton or uh, Fulham or something like this, it would have made more sense in my opinion. Chelsea already has a stacked team, at least by, by way of numbers. So you're kind of, like you said, swapping one bench for another. So we'll see what happens there, but I hope it materializes well for him. Pochettino spoke very highly of him, so time will tell on that one. Bradley Barcola goes from Lyon to Paris Saint-Germain for $38.5 million. Luis Enrique continues his PSG rebuild with a move for a rising star who recorded seven goals and ten assists last season. Gatano, seemingly a good bit of business to improve this PSG side once again. Your perspective? Yeah, another like really good piece. This kind of feels like PSG is like starting to get their stuff together. They're trying to like starting to get organized and like understanding that you can't just buy superstars and win a Champions League. You actually have to build a squad. Um, this is a really good uh, signing. He was linked to City, Chelsea, Barcelona, and I think Real Madrid uh, early in the window. So it's a good, uh, you know, feeding a, a lot of uh, high-end uh, competition for him. Uh, I haven't seen too, too much of him. He's only 21 or uh, 22 playing in the French League. Haven't seen a lot, but uh, everything I've read about him, uh, he has the potential to be one of the best in the world in the future. For sure. And it's one of the, the cases, as, as you alluded to, PSG trying to finally build a squad as opposed to just putting... Uh, 
big key pieces and spots. Again, you don't win titles like that. As you know, being a City fan, you need an entire squad. And uh, it looks like PSG is trying to turn that way uh, with the way in which they build now. Mohamed Kudis goes from Ajax to West Ham United for $38 million. The versatile creative player intends to entertain the fans after following Ed, uh, Edison Alvarez from Ajax. Gee, does this move make West Ham a better team? I think so. Uh, you know, he's got a bit of European pedigree, having played uh, for Ajax uh, the last couple of seasons. Uh, something West Ham probably need, uh, considering their uh, Conference League title defense this season. Um, yeah, he, everything I've seen from so far, he looks pretty exciting. Had a brief cameo uh, at the weekend against City. I thought for the limited minutes that he played, he looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how he kind of grows into this team and how they grow around him. I agree. And what I will say is that I think West Ham actually deserve a lot of credit after losing Declan Rice. They've, in my opinion, reinvested that money in a very sensible way. And uh, they've had a nice start to the season. I think David Moyes is doing a fantastic job. So they have some level of European football, doing well in the Premier League. So I think this is yet another good move. Mickey van de Ven goes from Wolfsburg to Tottenham for $34.5 million. The left-sided centre-back is described as Cruyff-like by his former club, uh, Volendam. The defender signs a six-year contract where the fee could rise to $50 million. Gatano, a player who is clearly highly regarded. I was uh, a little bit surprised, to be honest, when I saw Cruyff-like. But wh what are your thoughts on this one, sir? I mean, that's really interesting uh, uh, comparison for a centre-back. Uh, you know, haven't heard that one before. Uh, he's had a couple appearances so far. He's looked all right. Uh, I also find the center backs, it's so hard uh, to judge them when they're this young. You know, there's so much room for their game to grow, uh, for them to make sure. We typically don't see a center back hit their peak till they're like late 20s, early 30s. So I think he's got, uh, you know, a long uh, way to go and a lot of room to improve. I think Postacoglu's kind of got this Spurs team going in the right direction. Uh, I think he could be a big key piece of that. And if he kind of keeps progressing with them, I think he could be, uh, this could end up being like a very, very good deal for them. I think so too. And I had to do some research on this one myself because I have to be honest, I really didn't know the player. Even when I saw the name, I, I didn't know. It was the only one I didn't know, in fact. And um, what made most sense to me was the six-year deal piece. Because like you said, you're not going to hit your peak as a center back or that sort of type of defender until you're probably like 28 years old ish so that kind of does make sense and as always Gaetano we did not cover every single signing this transfer window to round out the transfer market were there any transfers that we didn't discuss that caught your attention um not exactly transfers we didn't discuss I just want to touch briefly on a couple of free agents that are still uh out of contract so David De Gea still out of contract uh surprisingly kind of a mid-level Premier League club didn't go for him and we also saw Real Madrid have uh, a bit of a goalkeeping crisis with Thibaut Courtois' injury. Uh, they signed Kappa on loan from Chelsea. I was kind of surprised they didn't go get David De Gea on a free. Uh, Jesse Lingard, still only 30, uh, has proven that he can play, uh, you know, at a kind of a mid to like bottom, uh, like lower or bottom of hand, and, ooh, bottom end of the upper levels of the table uh, in the Premier League pretty well. Uh, so I'm so kind of surprised that nobody like not even like a Nottingham Forest or even maybe like a Luton or a Burnley have kind of gone in for him. And then uh, Eden Hazard has left Real Madrid. He's only 32 still. I'm surprised someone's not, you know, throwing him like some sort of small offer to try and get him, you know. I think that's a very low risk, high reward situation. If you can get him kind of electrified again, like he was one of the most electrifying players I've ever seen play. Uh, I'm sure he still has that spark in him, still has that in him. So I'm surprised nobody's kind of uh, risked it on that yet. Yeah, you, you bring up some, some really interesting, 
points and uh, the one on Jesse Lingard, in my opinion, and I know people disagree with me for this because they say, man, it's Manchester United. He had to go back. But I feel like leaving when he went to West Ham, when he had the opportunity to just go back again, I think it was during the COVID season when there was no fans uh, in the stand. Um, I thought that he should have just stayed there. I thought he had a really good thing going for him. His confidence was great. He was scoring goals. I think he got back into the England side at one point. So that one I find interesting. David De Gea, I am surprised too that uh, somebody hasn't picked him up yet uh, because I still actually think, contrary to what most people think, I think he has a few good years left in him. And then uh, Eden Hazard, yeah, he's still relatively young uh, and I think that he can produce as well a few more good years. Do you think that these types of players, G, that they may end up going to Saudi, that if they don't find a home in Europe, that they'll just say, you know what, I'll I'll go to Saudi and I'll, I'll pick up a chunk of change and I'll go play there for a few years? Yeah, I think Saudi Arabia, MLS, even Japan, uh, they've been known to pick up kind of these, like this age group of uh, kind of European player. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if they want to continue playing professionally, they'll take the off whatever offer they can kind of get. Uh, like Jesse Lingard, especially his story, like he seems like someone who just like loves the game and just wants to continue playing. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign for, you know, a random Saudi Arabian team or Japanese or end up in the MLS on maybe not... Uh, not a designated player deal, but even just on like a lower uh, deal. Yeah, I, I would expect to see at least uh, him and David De Gea uh, sign for someone at some point this season. Certainly. And with that, we can officially put a lid on the summer transfer window. We've had uh, mighty fun now uh, the past few months, G. Billions have been spent and the world of football has been shaken up, at least for the immediate future. Folks, we now shift gears to Europe's big five. G, players have returned from international break, as you alluded to at the very beginning of the show. And that means that club footy is back on, at least for now. There's a, a couple of international breaks upcoming in the you know, not so distant future. But how, how important would you say right now are these uh, early parts of the season, sir? Uh, I mean, like my, one of my favorite quotes is you can't win the private, like you can't win the title in September, but you can lose in September. And we're kind of starting to see that already, uh, you know, a couple teams slipping off the pace, <coughs> United. Um, and, uh, you know. Yeah, these are like these is really really important games. These are the you know the moments that you look back after winning a treble and say, man, like those wins in August and September were so important to get us going, you know, on the right path. Yeah, exactly, and that's why uh, the win yesterday from Arsenal at Everton, which uh, Goodison Park's always been a bit of a, a nightmare place for them in the past five six years. Uh, like you said, you can't win the title in September, but certainly you could lose it. And getting those sort of key crucial victories, it just keeps you hanging in there and it just keeps the, the pressure on even in the early moments. But speaking of United, I, I saw a quote actually today from uh, Gabby Oblongahor and he was saying that uh, Ten Hogs kind of like the angry school teacher that you never want to run into and he's kind of treating people badly. So a lot of turmoil at that club right now, but I know you're not mad about it. Not- <laughs> we move. Get it going by looking at the English Premier League and it's uh, your Manchester City Gaetano who sit pretty at the top with a perfect record of five wins, no draws and no losses. Tottenham are joint second with Liverpool and Arsenal. G five games into it and we've got four undefeated sides in the Premier League and of course your side being the perfect one. Uh, what can you say for how things are right now? Yeah, this is uh, uh, unusual for City. We're notoriously slow starters in the Premier League. Usually it takes till about, you know, November, December to start rolling and then we, you know, pick it up and run away with it. But uh, Kyle Walker said in the preseason, you know, he sat down with teams that why do we like, why do we always leave it late? Like, let's just get ahead and stay ahead. And so far City have done that. And uh, if if that's the case for City, that they can just turn it on and just decide, now nah, we don't want a title race this year. We're just going to run away with it. Then like, 
that's a scary thought for not just the Premier League, but for the whole of Europe. I would totally agree with that. And uh, you bring up Kyle Walker there, and I'll ask your opinion on this one. Is he playing some of the best football of his career right now at this exact moment in time? It's incredible because you typically think at 33 years old, especially a fullback who's known for being super pacey, like, you know, you would expect by 33 that he either has to change his game or, you know, kind of give up at playing at this level. But yeah, he's legitimately playing some of the best football we've seen from him this past, I'd probably say, two years. Uh, you know, even when he had some limited minutes last year, always made an impact when he came on. Uh, finally got his first goal for England uh, during the international break. Like he's just excelling. And it's just incredible uh, to see like a 33-year-old do that because that's typically, you know, not, that's typically when they start the decline or kind of plateau. And he's just gotten better and better and better. Yeah, and Manchester City time and time again have been described as an incredible machine. And uh, he himself is an incredible machine, just getting better and better, as you said, with age. So uh, definitely everyone trying to keep pace with City in these early stages, my Arsenal included, but loving the way that the Premier League has started, certainly. And at the bottom of the table, it's Luton Town, Burnley, Everton and Sheffield United. Gatano, it's it's still so early, uh, so a lot obviously is can change and probably will change. But do you see any promise with any of these teams at the bottom right now? Yeah, definitely Burnley. Uh, Vinny Company's got them playing some really good football. They're, it seems like one of those things, like it's going to take a couple of games to kind of get used to the Premier League. Um, you know, you're, you're playing way better teams. But I just, I, they, they're, they're, there's just something there. It's, it's indescribable, it's intangible. But like when I watch them play, I'm like, there's, there's a team here. This is, this is like a probably lower mid-table team. You know, they just need to kind of get the wheels going. Kind of, you know, I think that first win for them is going to be huge. Uh, you know, they got a draw today for their first point, which is okay. But like, I think once they get that first win, that will kind of settle the nerves and then they'll be able to kind of roll from there. I'm definitely with you. And I'm a big believer in principles of play. Obviously, I've been uh, coaching competitively for 13 years. And if you have the principles to which you want to try and drill into your team, it's better than having no plan at all. And the way I see Burnley playing, like you said, I'm just a little bit different than you. I think it's going to take more than a couple of games. I think it'll probably take 10 or, or a little bit more. And then as soon as those principles start to click in, I think it's going to be uh, firing on all cylinders and it's not going to be a top half, fit, half finish for Burnley. But I'm not like some of the other pundits that are out there saying that they're going to get relegated. I think that's a bit ridiculous. But one glaring thing for me yesterday was uh, the way that Bournemouth played against Chelsea, the nil-nil, and then the way in which uh, Everton played against Arsenal. I, uh, I think I, I'm with you now with your preseason prediction that you believed Everton would go down because the way I saw Bournemouth play, at least they're a well-drilled side. Yeah, defensive, but well-drilled, really get it. Everton just looked like a very lackluster, hapless team. And uh, I think right now, if I had to pick somebody who is definitely going down, I would say Everton because uh, they look a bit of a shambles for sure. Yeah, they, just, they looked lost against Arsenal. It was uh, not pretty. I think possession statistics was... Uh, something even reflective of what Manchester City typically do is around 80% for Arsenal. And for me, I just, even if you're playing in a low block, surely you're going to have some moments of dispossessing the opposition and getting out. And uh, there was none of that. I don't think David Rea had anything to do on Sunday. So yeah, Neverton looking a real mess. But apart from that, I think those other teams, even Luton Town, I would say some of the performances that they've had, uh, I think that there is still even for them some promise there as well. In Italy, City, yeah, it's Inter at the top of the table, who is, in fact, my pick to win it all this year. Uh, Juventus is in second, Milan in third, and Lecce in fourth. Gee, a decent start to City yeah, so far. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm surprised to see Lecce up there. Uh, I know it is early, and that kind of can happen if they get a nice, easier run of games. But, you know, 
we got kind of said that about Leicester uh, all those years ago. Eh? You know, it's just a good start, easy couple games, and then uh, all of a sudden they're Premier League champions. So anything could happen, but I kind of don't expect it to. Um, surprisingly, poor start uh, from Roma, sitting in 12th, and Lazio sitting in 15th. I kind of didn't expect that from either the uh, the Rome clubs. But other than that, you know, Inter, Juve, Milan, and Napoli kind of being in and around the top four, pretty standard. I think so, and uh, I think we alluded to it in our preseason show that uh, City is going to have an incredible title race this year, at least, if not incredible in the sense that uh, whatever quality of football, you're going to have a lot of teams at least gunning for the title, so it's going to be awesome to see. La Liga in Spain has had a fun start to the season. Real Madrid is top with Barcelona, Girona, and Athletic Club trailing in behind them. What are you saying for the opening stages here in Spain? Uh, I got to say, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid have both looked pretty good uh, in the league so far. A uh, couple surprises, obviously, you know, Girona being up there, again, could be an easy run of games, could be, uh, you know, an incredible season. Uh, Atletico starting a little slow, but I kind of expect them to, you know, turn it up at some point here. Uh, obviously, uh, a game against Real Madrid being uh, their next game, that's kind of the perfect uh, kick point uh, to start their season off. Other than that, I think it's going to be a pretty good title race between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that one and uh, loving the way that both of those sides have started. And I'm sure that they'll fare well in Europe as well. Out in Germany, the Bundesliga has gotten off to a fine start. Currently, it's Leverkusen and Bayern Munich joint top with 10 points apiece. Leipzig, Stuttgart, Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg all trail uh, Bayern Munich and Leverkusen as well. Gee, we had an unbelievable race last season in the Bundesliga when it came to the title. Uh, we both have made our feelings heard uh, in terms of who we believe will win this year. And of course, that's Bayern Munich. But again, this is an early startup. But does this sort of early startup have any indication that things might be a little bit closer come the end of the season than we actually might realize? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I think once Harry Kane kind of really gets bedded into that Bayern team and is, you know, firing on all cylinders, that I think that's when the title race is really going to shift. But, I mean, that could take a couple months, could take a couple of weeks. We don't really know. Um, but I think I think when that point comes, whatever title race we kind of had up to that point, it, it'll be over. You know, once he, he's going to score probably 25 league goals, probably another 10 in Europe in uh, the cup competitions. I just think once they get going, uh, there's going to be no stopping them. That's the way I see it also. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And, and I say a little bit uh, pretty strongly that it will only take, it's not going to take a long period of time for, for things to click there. But I would still do believe, even though it's tight right now, as soon as the season progresses, uh, you know, I would say one third the way through, they're going to start to really run away with it. And in France's Ligue 1, Monaco are top in the early stages. Brest are second. Marseille and Nice occupy third and fourth, respectively. G, your thoughts so far on Ligue 1? Yeah, it's uh, a little weird not seeing PSG sitting up top or at least kind of in those uh, kind of top two or three spots. But again, it's only been five games. I don't want to, you know, jump the gun and say, oh, like, you know, they're not winning the league. They're going to be terrible. But uh, I think this is I think this is good for them. I think, you know, uh, like we've talked about when the transfer, like building a squad and, you know, doing things like the right way, I think. Maybe, yeah, like signing big name, expensive players, they might be sitting top of the league right now. But I think if they can build a core, you know, a really young core, really high quality, like their, their squad is already so good that, you know, even if, like you say, they have a bit of a slow start, once they kind of get gel a little bit, get going, even they might not even win the league this year. But if they can, you know, build a team that's going to win the league for the next five years and, you know, challenge for a Champions League for five years, I think that's kind of a, a good trade off for them. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's funny. And I'm sure you'll have to laugh at this one. There was a couple 
nights ago, uh, my side, my team that I play for, we went over a for a game, and uh, one of our guys goes, "Yeah, it doesn't matter. League earns a farmers league." And uh, you know, I, I thought to myself, "Okay, well, whatever." But it's interesting to me that PSG could very well, depending on how you look at it, they could be in a rebuild. But for most teams across, for example, in Serie A or the Premier League, you're going to take a few seasons to actually rebuild. In Liga, it's only going to take them one season to rebuild. Yeah. Like you said, they'll win for the next five, six years, right? So it is an interesting concept, but it's nice to see a little bit of competition in Liga for uh, the, the short term. Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to full-time in sports podcast. A reminder that full-time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. The MLS nears the end of its proverbial road. Gaetano, how exciting will the ending of this season be for the MLS? I think it's going to be insane. Uh, obviously, the messy factor is probably going to be the biggest thing in that. But yeah, I think, uh, especially once we get into the playoffs, we've seen anything can happen. Anything will happen. Uh, I think it's going to be super, super exciting to watch. Yeah, you and me both. And with around, it's not down to an exact number, but around seven, eight games left to go. It's crunch time. And um, we love it because uh, from a North American sport perspective, it's all uh, all focus on trying to get into the playoffs. Right. So it's exciting times in the MLS, certainly. And at this moment in time, it is Cincinnati who are comfortably at the top in the east with 58 points in the west. St. Louis remains top by just a slightly lesser margin. Gee, the playoff race is again starting to heat up in the MLS with spots one through nine for grabs uh, up in each uh, in each conference. So what are your thoughts at this moment in time uh, as per what this uh, playoff race is looking like? Yeah, well, I mean, Cincinnati have just been phenomenal this year. Only the four losses so far playing 28 games is ridiculous. Um, so I think, you know, like I think they're probably favorites uh, going into this. There's a lot of playoff spots kind of still up for grabs. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a team like Inter Miami sitting on 28 points, you know, and they are in four, their bo- second bottom uh, above only Toronto. This is great. But, uh, you know, Nashville, who are sitting seventh in the conference, are only on 40 points. Like 12 points difference with seven or eight games is like not a crazy amount in MLS. Uh, it sounds a little weird. Like in the Premier League, you would say it is, but like in MLS, it's just bananas. 12 points is really nothing. You know, I could easily see like Inter Miami getting those 12 points, making a playoff spot. You could definitely see Nashville, you know, not winning any of those 12 points and falling right back out. Uh, I think it's going to be an insane playoff race. These next couple of weeks are going to be nuts. And that's one of the one, it's one of the many things, in fact, that I love about the MLS is that the swings are crazy. Like you said, you could pick up 12 points in the span of whatever, a couple of weeks, but then you could also drop those 12 points and then you could have one big story falling and another big story rising. It's absolutely incredible. And hey, you, know, you want to talk about eating words. You, you mentioned Cincinnati there about how well they're doing. I remember when Insigne signed for Toronto, I said, could you imagine going from getting service uh, with the Italian national team? Now you're going to go up against Cincinnati and you're going to up against that weekend now look at cincinnati and look at toronto so i'll never forget with uh, a couple of my buddies went for a hike out at grow cap and i remember saying and now i regret saying that because cincinnati is top and we're <laughs> so be careful what you say really and uh gaetano you alluded to it there uh just momentarily uh for a short period do you foresee any other upsets apart from me Inter Miami getting into the playoffs, or do you see any other sides maybe getting in that uh, otherwise probably wouldn't get in? I mean, in the East, no. I think Inter Miami, like they're the one. If if any team is going to do something absolutely ridiculous, it's going to be them because of Messi and Busquets and Alba. Uh, but in the West, 
there's only six points separating ninth and uh, four, or 13th. Like that's two games, like that's insane. So, I mean, a team like LA Galaxy or Austin or Dallas could definitely manage to get themselves in. And you could see a team like Minnesota or San Jose who are sitting, you know, sixth or seventh fall right out. You have to love it from what the MLS once was when uh, first started to know each other a little over 10 years ago, 11 years ago, in fact, uh, to what it is now, night and day. And it's incredible to see what the MLS has become. And we just have to think in another 11 years, what will it be then? So, so awesome. And folks, it is now time for a local soccer update. The SFC Cup is in full swing here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. The local indoor soccer tournament is hosted by men's soccer in the Sioux at the end of the summer season and beginning of the fall season. With the group stage finishing up this evening, in fact, I do play tonight at 9 o'clock, the, uh, the knockout phase will commence on Wednesday, September 20th. Games are played on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evenings at 7, 8, and 9 p.m. at the Northern Community Centre in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And it is always this time of year where the weather starts to change and we get ready to stay inside a little more, although the weather forecast for the next 10 to 12 days does look incredible. Uh, but that does mean that the indoor soccer seasons are upon us for men's, women's, and youth soccer. How excited are you to get back on the indoor turf, G? Oh, I'm just, I'm craving it. Uh, the ankle's almost, almost at 100%. Uh, I'm just so looking forward to getting back out there. Yeah, I think it's going to be yet another great season. I know that there is a an upcoming meeting for um, Sioux Football Club this uh, this upcoming Thursday. So a lot is going to be sorted and uh, we're quite literally around the corner, probably about five weeks away from kickstarting the league. So really exciting times ahead. And for those who are looking to register their child or a family member in youth soccer, please visit nhsc.ca as spots are filling up quickly in all divisions. That's nhsc. .ca to register youth players for this winter's indoor soccer season. I think some of the work that Northern Heights does, I, I've worked for them for the past uh, two years uh, as their technical director. I, I've since left my post uh, in the summer, but uh, they do some incredible work there. Uh, incredible people who take care of families and uh, allow kids to play throughout the winter. And it is a long season, but it's awesome because we have that indoor facility and uh, anybody who's looking for something to do in the winter for their kids or kids that they do know, I think indoor soccer in the Sioux is fantastic for them. Locally, it is Sioux College and Algoma University who are competing in the OCAA and OUA respectively. Catano, these programs generate a lot for our community by way of athletics. How great has it been to see some of the provincial talent on display at the varsity level here in Sault Ste. Marie over the past couple of weeks? So I haven't been able to get to a game yet. I was supposed to go this weekend. I couldn't, but I'm super excited to get to a, a couple of games. I've heard the men's team's actually doing really, really well uh, for Algoma U, which is really, uh, I don't want to shit on them, but it's a nice surprise. They're, they're not always this good. So I, I do want to get a couple games in while they're this good, kind of uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, we've got some really, really good athletes uh, playing for our teams now. Uh, we had even better athletes coming, uh, traveling across the uh, province to play against us. So, yeah, it's a super, super exciting time. Yeah, what I will say for the men's program, uh, just a complete and total turnaround there. Uh, the games this weekend, uh, you know, you take a perennial powerhouse uh, in York, who is consistently one of the top two teams in the country, only lost to them 2-0. And Algoma had to play about a half an hour of that game down a man. They played with 10 and then against McMaster yesterday, in my opinion, the fact that uh, they didn't draw 2-2 was a shame, but up 2-1 late and then uh, to lose it 3-2 was a heartbreaker. But the men's program at Algoma has done a complete 360. They look incredible. And it, like you said, it's really nice to see some of the provincial talent coming, uh, coming to the Sioux and on display. 
The uh, next home game, uh, in fact, uh, for Algoma University will be this Saturday, September 23rd at Superior Heights Field against the Waterloo Warriors. The games will kick off at 1 and 3 p.m. on Saturday. The women's team plays at 1 and the men will play at 3. Sioux College is on the road this weekend with a pair of games at George Brown and Seneca. Uh, the college will host their next set of home games on Saturday, September 30th, so at the end of the month, and Sunday, October 1st at Superior Heights Field. Uh, so uh, what I would say for that is because the kickoff times haven't been confirmed, please check out suecougars.ca and Sue is spelled S-A-U-L-T. Again, that's suecougars.ca for full schedules for all athletic teams as well as upcoming kickoff times. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Podcast. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we wrap up today's show, we want to thank you uh, for tuning in and being with us to talk about the sport that unites us all. Nathaniel, this was yet another fun one. Thanks for everything, my friend. Hi, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about the beautiful game with you. Couldn't have imagined a better way to end my Monday. I agree with that. And I was uh, talking to our friend David McKegg uh, earlier. As you know, we had another recording on a different show before we recorded this one. And pretty soon, you and I are coming up on one year together with this uh, <laughs> and how quickly time goes and uh, how awesome it's been. So definitely looking forward to even better times ahead and love recording the show with you. It's one of the things that I look forward to uh, week in, week out most. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of October 9th, 2023. In that show, we will examine Europe's Big Five, we'll analyze the MLS, we'll take a look at local soccer, and we'll even talk a little bit of Champions League. As always, we'll keep everyone in the loop with all the happenings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Podcast and 91N on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time, back here on the Game Sports Podcast and 91N. Best always.